Hi there, and welcome back to the Live Moss Podcast. On today's episode, we catch up with Brittany Clark, the Assistant Director of Student-Athlete Academic Development at Syracuse University and the Chair of the Ethnic Concerns Committee for the N4A. It's an incredible opportunity to catch up with somebody with such personality. Brittany does an amazing job communicating her platform, talking about initiatives, and really just giving everybody feedback on what the Ethnic Concerns Committee is up to. Take a few minutes, catch up with Brittany here, and thank you as always for listening to the podcast. And don't forget, Live Moss. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us and for listening to the podcast today. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce to you, hopefully not for the first time, one of the absolute stellar members of N4A, Brittany Clark. Brittany, can you take a second and introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be here. Um, name's Brittany Clark. I'm currently um, in a position in academics at Syracuse University, um, and I'm really excited to be here. It's, I think we're going to have a great time. Speaking of great time, uh, right now here in Miami, Florida, it is 74 lovely degrees on January 31st when we're recording this podcast. Uh, Brittany, why don't you tell the people listening, because maybe they've forgotten by now, what the weather's like for you? Oh, my gosh. So it, we are in a bit of a heat wave at 1 p.m., coming in at 11 degrees with a negative 10-degree wind chill. Uh, yesterday was my first time ever in my life, and I've, I've lived in New York now a combined 20 or so years, um, where we had classes canceled because it was just too cold. So I've had snow days before. I've had I've had a tornado warning, all that stuff. This was the first day that the wind chill got up to negative 30, and there's a state mandate where you have to cancel classes. So it's been quite the, the polar vortex up in here in January. So this polar vortex that you speak of, very, very interesting, because for those of you who aren't aware, Brittany, where did you go to college? <laughs> I went to college down at the University of Miami in Florida, and so, um, and then thereafter, I should say, I, my my GA ship was in Texas at Stephen F. Austin State University, and then my first full time job was over at the University of Arizona in Tucson. So, this is uh, quite the difference for me, especially in my adult life. I, I'm definitely, you know, more of a warm weather person. I can't tell you how much joy this brings me and how much I'm enjoying just the fact of the weather. Because I remember uh, a certain person that hired you at the University of Arizona was having a conversation with you about how cold it used to be at the University of Wyoming, where he used to work, and how you said you would never live in a climate like that. And guess where you are now? Yep. And it's so funny you say that. We have, uh, Wes and I, we have a very interesting history. Um, But and my parents have actually have cutouts of me in like newspapers, I a formerly a student athlete, of me saying that I would never move back to the state of New York. It would never happen and, and me kind of putting my parents in a hole um and, and telling them that they're gonna have to move south with south with me. And here I am in central New York in a much uh more extreme weather conditions than what I grew up in just outside of New York City and I've been here going on four years now. So unbelievable. So we brought you on today to talk about the Ethnic Concerns Committee through N4A, but I think it's important, especially for our membership. Uh, Many of the people that listen to these podcasts, at least from the feedback that we're getting, are new members, are members that have only been in the organization for a couple of years, or there are people outside of our membership actually looking in. And I think that you have a very unique background, like you were saying. You were a student athlete, you did GA ship, you got your first role at the University of Arizona. 
Um, but you've climbed the ladder so quickly uh, to a Power 5 institution, running the football program there at Syracuse, obviously uh, chairing a committee through N4A, being an active member in the process. I'm really curious, and maybe you can help our, our listeners, just from your point of view, you know, tell us a little bit about your progression, if you can, uh, how you made it through the GA process, you know, how you got your first time job, how that all came about. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, I was tracking field student athlete at the University of Miami. Um, and in my senior year, I just plainly decided that I knew I needed a master's degree. I wasn't interested in paying for it. Um, and I just, in my purview that the, the best way to do that was to get a graduate assistantship. So I started surfing for graduate assistantships. At that point, um, I was introduced to Rob McDermott, who is now the Region 3 director or 4 director, um, and he is the head guy at Stephen F. Austin State. Um, I had a graduate assistantship there. I was there for about a year. And in that year, at the, the back end of that year, um, I had a friend who was living in Tucson at the time, and I was going to go visit for a couple of weeks over the summer, and I reached out to this director, I know this, this weird guy, this director at the University of Arizona, and I had asked to uh, do an internship there for free over six weeks. What many people don't know is GA life is tough. So when I was a GA in, in Texas, I was also working part-time at a local Chili's. And so I was going to go out to Tucson, and the nice thing about those chain restaurants is you can kind of just transfer to wherever there's a Chili's. So while I was visiting um, my friends in Tucson, I was going to be working there part-time, so I was able to afford to do a free internship at the University of Arizona. The internship there was great. As we all know, summer session one is a little bit slow in our field of work, but I was able to kind of do the first uh, – stage of development to a transitions course um, and just and then just learn about the business learn from the people there there was actually um, a practitioner who had who was at SFA that was working at the University of Arizona full-time there as well literally at the end of that internship the director there West Moss, who I get the pleasure of being on the phone with, uh, gave me a going away card and at the end of the card said would you be willing to start on July 8th as a, in a full-time role there so I think um, in terms of my story, it just goes to show if you kind of just put your head down and grind, I think the right people will see and listen. And uh, Wes and I have had the most genuine relationship ever since that moment and has been an integral part of my growth and success in this business. Um, little things I learned at the University of Arizona that kind of helped me in my position at Syracuse now, um, things like never leaving work without checking all of your emails and responding just to say you got it. That's something that Wes taught me that um, I'll take with me wherever I go. And so I put my head down, worked uh, there for two years, and then I it, it was just really far from home to be out in Tucson. Um, the position opened up at Syracuse. Um, I had done a lot of research about Tommy Powell and what he was doing um, and 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 turning things around after the major violations that we had over at Syracuse basketball. And I really wanted to be a part of that. So I gave him a shot of an email and kind of the rest is history. In terms of my work with N4A and chairing the ethnic concerns committee, I think that's just a matter of consistency. I was a 
big sponge. Um, I had gone to a session where they had spoken about ethnic concerns. Um, I really liked how genuine everyone was and, and this idea of just getting out into community and spreading as much knowledge um, as possible. And I've just been an active member. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, a couple people, Ashton Henderson, who's at Florida State, and Regina Johnson at Louisville, kind of turned to me and said, hey, it's your turn. I think it would be good for you to take the reins of the committee. And here I am. Um, I, I guess I the whole point of this is, um, you work hard, the right things will kind of fall into your lap. And I, I've never really had to, um, you know, beg for anything. I've, I kind of just sit back, put my head down, do the things that I think is right, um, stay in my lane. And good things have just been happening ever since. And I'm forever grateful to everyone who's ever helped me get anything that um, I've received in this business. So bottom line, what you're saying is you owe your entire career to me. <laughs> Essentially, I, I I pause to give you that much credit because I realize how head you're getting, how big your head is getting as I speak. But honestly, um, I don't think there's been a major decision in my career that I have even thought about considering without having a conversation with you first. And so I just really admire that and and value our relationship and and how far it's gone. You know, since we've both moved on moved on from Arizona. And, and for those listening, we are going to actually get into the meat of the ethnic concerns committee in a second. Uh, but this is a dear friend of mine, so since I run the podcast, I'm going to take as much lead here as possible. Uh, the the other area, and for those that, are, that have hopefully stopped and actually heard the content that was just provided to them, this is a real-life experience of someone who was motivated and passionate about getting into this field. But I think there were some key things that Brittany talked about uh, to have that have helped her uh, – escalate into the situation that she's in now. One uh, being the fact that she did reach out uh, on her own about a non-paid internship. So as the director of the unit at the time, uh, whenever you have young employees that are looking for growth, looking for professional development opportunities, and they're willing to do something as such as work for free, one that told me a lot about Brittany uh, immediately, uh, where her mind was, what she wanted to do, that this wasn't uh, kind of a a situation that she hadn't thought, um, but two, more than anything, outside of the outstanding personality that you're getting to hear through the podcast, uh, Brittany did not get a job because we needed to give someone a job. Brittany got the job because she flat out earned the job, and she worked as hard as anyone in our unit and brought every day an enthusiasm and a passion to her role uh, that made the, the process so easy for me and was such an easy decision uh, that when we had the open position, uh, hiring Brittany was the easiest thing, or at least offering her the role and hopefully getting her to accept it uh, was the easiest decision I think I've ever made. But two, one of the great things about Brittany was the fact that she was willing to have a little bit of fun at work. So I'm wondering, we haven't talked about this for many, many years. Uh, do you remember what um, group you signed me up for uh, during your time at the University of Arizona? I, you know what? I don't. You're going to have to remind me of this. So a uh, couple of key facts. One, Brittany's undergraduate is at the University of Miami. My graduate program was Florida State University, home of Ashton and Casey King. And so at the time, we had a great rivalry going with the football programs. And so we like to keep the, the office fun and entertaining to them as much as possible. And so one day I walk into the office and I have a great big envelope sitting on my desk from the University of Miami Booster Club. 
Brivia taken the time, the energy, and the effort to enroll me as a booster in the organization that was the biggest rival to me for most of my academic and athletic career. I I remember this, and then where, so I, where I thought you were going with this, and I'm sure it's going to get there, I cannot remember what year this was, but after Miami and Florida State played that year, we had a very friendly, because obviously this is college athletics, uh, wager that whoever wins before they enter a room, they have to say the score to the game for the entire next week. And all I, re- I, I couldn't even remember the score. I know Miami lost that year. And for the entire week, and I'm talking some pretty serious meetings we would go into, I would enter the room and I would just say, you know, whatever it was, 27-15, and then start. And everyone just kind of look around like, what? And then the, and the few people who were in on the inside joke would just die laughing. So we had some good, good fun out there. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That just made my day. <laughs> okay, so let's get let's get the podcast together here. Okay, um, so let's talk about the Ethic Concerns Committee. Uh, tell us about your role with it. Uh, you've already told us how you got into the process, which is great for a lot of our younger members looking to get into leadership roles within N4A. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about the committee and your role. No doubt. So um, every year at the national convention. Um, the itinerary takes the time to do these breakout sessions with the whole student athlete development. Every single committee has an opportunity to, you kind of, you know, time dedicated to people just wanting to go and sit and learn about different committees. Um, everything from ethnic concerns, um, LGBTQA+, learning concerns, everyone has an opportunity. My first time at convention, um, I decided, I, I literally just picked out of a hat, I decided I would sit in at the Ethnic Concerns Committee. Um, essentially, what I learned and I think what drew me, and at the time I want to say it was Brad Horton and Ashton Henderson, Brad Horton of Georgia State and Ashton of Florida State, um, in the leadership position. What I learned is that it was a committee that was completely grounded in outreach, which I loved. And, and, and particularly high school or high school age prospective student athlete aged outreach, um, which is at the core of some of my values. Um, we have been tasked with getting the word out about initial eligibility, um, college readiness, development of all types of professionals and it, it it's been such a joy to be a part of we literally go region by region and go out and we're taking the time to find um underrepresented underrepresented areas where we can go into high schools boys and girls clubs um speak with guidance counselors parents and ensure that everyone has the information that they need to make sure that their students can be initially eligible and compete at any level that they want to compete at. We have an HBCU um, sector of our committee where we are committed to making sure we have, we're reaching out to practitioners and getting them the development we need. We have a scholarship um, that they can apply to to make sure that they're getting to regional conferences. They have the opportunity to kind of um, get all the information they need to bring back to their institutions and make sure they're supporting their students in the best ways possible. We also have created a partnership program with um, 
HBCU and lower resource institutions where we're literally getting out to folks in our region and partner. So uh, Florida State can reach out to FAMU and you guys are having lunch together and you're learning about what, what uh, resources each uh, institution has and you're bouncing ideas off one another and you have contact information so we can prevent some of these um, issues that we have due to just sheer ignorance and then we have a partisan a participation and initiative committee that is completely responsible for just getting all of the good stuff we are doing out into the world so one of the things that we created this um, this particular year with the ECC Real Talk Twitter chat, which has been unbelievable. We've had people between 25 and 40 people for the last two chats, and it started with one topic, and everyone is kind of um, sounding off on how they feel about it, and you kind of have this awesome opportunity to really speak your mind in an environment where everyone's accepting it, everyone can learn, everyone can grow, um, and there's you when when it happens, you you realize that there are very few spaces where you can just be genuine, open, and honest. And um, Thais Roxbury of the NCAA has done a great job of um, forming these questions that give every, that gives everyone freedom and flexibility to really be themselves. And I think everyone from new practitioners to folks that have been in the business 15 plus years have had the opportunity to sound off and we've all learned a lot from each other. So I really, uh, get excited about it. I'm all fired up about it just speaking. Um, in my current role as chair, um, most of my role this year is just stick, figuring out what our initiatives are, sticking to those initiatives, and then following up and following through on those initiatives. So I've really, um, me and Chris Evans, who's another Florida State guy, you know, for, for a Miami grad, I, I do have to deal with a lot of Florida State people. I'll just be completely honest with you. But I uh, love, love everybody. You like to hang out with greatness, I know. I, I guess. I guess I just want to be near greatness. But uh, Chris Evans is the co-chair of the committee, and he and I have really been partnering to make sure that we have very clear goals and objectives and that we're just support mechanisms for making sure that our leaders of our respective groups are able to follow through and have everything they need to follow through. So it's been a fun ride, um, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do when he gets the baton in June. So a couple of quick follow-up questions for you. First, uh, for the people listening, how do they apply for the scholarship? Awesome. So the HBCU scholarship is very simple. Um, First and foremost, I think um, reaching out to Derek Cole in, at Florida State um, is the first step in, be, in becoming, uh, being a part of the HBCU uh, subcommittee within the Ethnic Concerns Committee is the first thing. Um, you kind of go on, he'll give you everything that you need to go through, and the scholarship, what it actually is, is a $500, up to $500 reimbursement for attending the regional conference that is of closest proximity to you. Um, so Derek Cole of Florida State, again, another Florida State guy, is the main contact for that scholarship, and it is tasked with making sure folks that don't necessarily have the budget to um, get help from their institutions to attend a regional conference have some, you know, have help and have some of the resources to get there. Second question, the Twitter chat, which I'm absolutely in love with, although I'm only one for two on attending, I will be at the next one. When is the next Twitter chat for those that are following that want to get on and, and learn more about it? 
thank you so much uh, for, well, number one, for being a part of it. Number two, we do not have a set date yet for the next one. Um, Thais is uh, and everything with the NCAA, and I guess there were a bunch of uh, meetings this past week and here in January. Um, but I will be sure that Wes has that information, and, and when this podcast posts, uh, we'll have all the info, and all you got to do is log into Twitter, use the hashtag ECCRealTalk, and you will be joined in on the conversation. And we will get that out on Twitter uh, as soon as that day posts. Uh, make sure you're following the hashtag, uh, as well as you know in social media land. Extremely easy to do, uh, extremely efficient and quick, and it's one of the best Twitter chats going out there because of all the people that are involved. And again, because they are actually they have this care about the product they're putting out, it's well thought through. It provides a lot of content for people that are involved with it, and it's something that you don't have to have a lot of experience with to learn something from. So, Brittany, uh, tell us more about the initiatives that you guys have ongoing with this committee. Awesome. Um, so one of the main initiatives that we've done every year since I've been a part of it, and my first year um, was the 15-16 school year, we do um, regional outreach. So Regina Johnson from the University of Louisville heads up this subcommittee, and she is tasked with pitting someone at, from each region um, to do a regional event that allows for some sort of PowerPoint presentation to high school students, guidance counselors, parents, whomever is in the area um, to come through and um, talk about college readiness and initial eligibility. We have a great PowerPoint that we use as pre um, and, pre and present. You do not have to be a part of the Ethnic Concerns Committee to be a presenter. Uh, for example, our Region 1 event we did um, down in Brooklyn. Um, at James Madison High School, it written really well, and I had the opportunity to expose one of my academic support assistants here up at Syracuse to the present presentation process, and it was a great professional development opportunity for him. Um, that is, I would say, that would be the initiative that I have been closest to because through my kind of rise through the Ethic Concerns Committee, I started out as a recorder, so literally just on conference calls taking notes. The next year, I was the regional outreach um, subcommittee leader. So I would say that's the initiative that I'm closest to. What I'm really excited about is our national um, outreach event that we're going to be doing in June. We'll be partnering with Athlife. And at, at this point, it's, we're in the beginning stages of getting everything together. But it sounds like we may even have some local radio promotion in uh, the city of Orlando. We'll, we'll be able to kind of get on the sound waves and get it out so we can get as many, many people to the event. Um, so stay tuned for that. That should be a really fun time. Um, we often partner with other committees within um, SADC, so I'm sure you'll see a bunch of us out there, and, and it's going to be a great time. So that's um, one of our initiatives. We have, I, I mentioned briefly, the partnership program where we have all across the country, we have people meeting with um, institutions in their region just to get together. So what we did we we initially wanted to focus on HBCU partnership, but then we had I decided we needed to expand because, for example, in Central New York there are just no HBCUs nearby. So what I did is I got together a lunch uh, for everyone, essentially in a 30 to 45 mile radius in the Central New York region, which 
naturally was a lot more colleges than I even thought about. So it was like um, us, which we're a Division One institution. Lemoyne College is Division Two. We have Colgate University nearby, they're Division One. We have Hamilton College, they're Division Three. We have Cornell, that was Ivy League. We have um, Onondaga Community College, which is a junior college. So we were able to get all of these people in one room and just talk best practices. And it was unbelievable. And everyone kind of got there and sat down and realized we are all literally, you know, 20, between 20 and 45 minutes away from one another, but don't, we've never taken the time to all sit down at one table. And from that has led to a lot of great things. So I say all that to say we're going, we're trying to go region by region and get as much movement on people getting together, getting to know the people um, in your region. And it's been absolutely a great success across the board. And I have to credit Derek Coles for that um, and, and that follow through with that. So that's been great. So Brittany, I can't tell you how much it just, it, for me, how much enjoyment I get out of spending time with you. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, but for our membership, people listening to this podcast, we try and leave them uh, with something that they can physically take away from the podcast uh, as they're continuing to grow and with their professional development. So do you have anything that you can leave them, a podcast, an app, a book, a magazine, anything that they can physically take with them uh, after listening to the podcast? Awesome. Well, two things. One, everyone go to the ECC, uh, the, the group meeting at, down in convention. I'd love to see you there. Uh, take that away with you for sure. That's number one. But number two, um, the book Mindset by Carol Dweck um, has really helped me throughout my career. And this idea of the growth mindset and, and allowing your mind to process things from a different perspective has really changed the game for me. Um, I think as practitioners enter uh, new institutions and are getting to know their teams and things of that nature, um, it is so important to enter things with a growth mindset because if you stay in the fixed mindset and you don't allow yourself to really um, take a step back and, and see things from a different perspective, you're going to be very frustrated because times are changing, everyone does things differently. You can learn something from everybody you interact with, I, I would say, every year. Um, it's about 50-50, what I teach students versus what they teach me. I've learned so much from the students I work with, from the unbelievable professionals I get to work with day in and day out, from the mentors I've garnered um, throughout my time at um, in this business. So please just take that growth mindset with you. I think mindset is great. It's actually an activity that I put all of my interns and academic support systems, um, academic support assistants through every single year um, that they come through our program. Um, I require them to read it and they, then we have a meeting about it and, and they get to break it down and take notes and, and see what they think. So I definitely think it's a game changer. So as someone who takes a ton of pride in what it is that you do, Brittany, allow me, if you will, a couple of minutes to just give the membership an idea of who is speaking on this podcast. Because if they haven't met you yet, I strongly encourage that they take the time at N4A National this June to get out and visit with you. So listen to these facts. I've done some research on you in my my unlimited free time. Um, I've, I've found a couple of things about you that I really want to make sure I point out because it just makes me so incredibly proud uh, to know that we've worked together to see your success and see your growth. How about 100% eligibility in terms of the football program heading into the bowl game, which as a matter of fact, Syracuse won their bowl game. And then after completing an incredible season this past year with several 
significant upset and almost one major upset of now national championship Clemson. They put six of their dudes on the all-academic team uh, here in in, uh, the ACC. But here's where I think that the work that you're doing is not as what is not as notified. It's not something that is produced as much. It's not something that is talked about as much. Uh, am I right in saying that you guys have 86% of your African Americans graduating, which is 12 points higher than your campus average? Yeah, I, I I have heard that through the grapevine that we are we are graduating our African American African American males in the athletics department at a higher rate. Um, it's awesome. So how about overall, the information that I'm looking at is for an athletic department, you're at 90% graduation rate for African-American males. Yeah, so I I think that's overall for everybody. We're at 90% for the entire department, which makes that even better. And I want to say it's even over 90%, but I don't want to quote. I got to get that quote from Tommy, um, our assistant provost here. So from Tommy to Brittany to all the incredible people, uh, working in the Student Athlete Academic Support Center there at Syracuse. Uh, just congratulations on the success that you guys have had, and Brittany, specifically for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. As we gear up to the National Convention, again, we're recording this podcast in January when things have slowed down to that microsecond that I could catch Brittany to get this recorded. We'll release it later in the term. Uh, but not only is the polar vortex going to go away, one thing that will come back, and I'm going to do some research on this, invest in a little bit of financial support. I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy some T-shirts that we can print and have ready and available for the National Convention. Would you like to know what I'm going to put on them? I can only imagine what you're going to say right now. 41 to 14. <laughs> that, I mean, as I reflect on some of those things, they, they were some of the greatest times in my life. And Wes, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I hope everyone was able to hear how genuine we both are. Wes and I speak fairly frequently throughout the year. And to be honest with you, this is just another conversation that we've had. So just thank you so much uh, for your support of me and my career throughout. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have you. And my parents are very grateful to have you in my life, too. They'll, the, the first thing they'll ask me if something comes up, hey, did you, did you talk to Wes about it? Let me give them a call and see what's up. So uh, we definitely, the Clark family appreciates, appreciates you. You guys are the best. Thank you so much, Brittany. Have a great day. Thank you.